the biggest stories from the pages of the London Free Press and LFPress.com. This is the London Free Press Podcast with your host, Rachel Gilbert. Welcome to the London Free Press Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert. The number of COVID-19 deaths in London Middlesex last year was higher than any other year during the pandemic. So why aren't alarm bells ringing about it? Is public attention on the virus waning? Meanwhile, London's emergency rooms continue to operate at overcapacity, so a new clinic opened this week for children. And today I'm talking with London Free Press health reporter Jennifer Beeman to get our COVID update. Hi, Jennifer. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Good, good. Let's talk about um, the number of deaths so far this year. Just explain how do we have more deaths? Well, I don't know how, but explain that we do have more deaths in 2022 is what we're talking about than 2020 or 2021. Is that right? It is true. And it was sort of a stat that our editors looked at and thought, wow, that can't be right. But it is. It is. We had a really bad January. I don't know if you remember back in uh, January of 2022 with the Omicron wave. It was really fast and furious. There were a lot of outbreaks in care homes. That was kind of the month where a lot of deaths happened, but they still continued through the year. Um, After Omicron, COVID became really, really ubiquitous. It was so easily transmitted. It was kind of everywhere. And, um, you know, a lot of the public health protections that were kind of preventing or trying to mitigate or other waves were sort of, you know, lessened through the spring and summer and fall of 2022. So we did see quite a bit of COVID spread. And that's really when you see these things kind of exploit the most vulnerable um, pockets of our population and kind of lead to some bad outcomes there. Right. Do we have a, a percentage or do we know numbers maybe of how many more people died in, in 2022 than in the previous years? It was just a, it was a significant amount, though. It really was. You're testing my memory on it, but it, we were in over you know 200 deaths in 2022, which was quite a few. Um, the one thing that we do know from public health is that a lot of these people um, were very vulnerable to begin with. So, you know, they're, they're in care homes, they're older, they're seniors, they've got a lot of comorbidities, a lot of things that are, are working against them, certainly. And then when COVID comes along, it's a contributing cause to their death, if not the immediate, um, you know, actual pressing instant cause. That's sure. different than other waves of the pandemic. I know, thinking back to 2020, 2020, 2021, um, COVID was mowing down, you know, 50 year olds, uh, you know, people, you know, in their 60s with a lot of life before them and really you know, otherwise healthy people. And so mm-hmm. that was kind of the pre-vaccine era. And now and now COVID has transitioned to this sort of thing that's still a danger to quite a few people, mm-hmm. um, but mostly are more vulnerable people. So so now we're getting these deaths because it, it's the more vulnerable. Why aren't we hearing about this? Like I, I, if this was 2020 or 2021, there would be alarm bells all over the place. But now, you know, has our interest or attitude towards the pandemic waned a bit? Has it changed so that we're not really focused on these numbers and stats like we used to be? Well, that was really the focus of one of my recent stories. I spoke to a bioethicist here at Western, Maxwell Smith. He's also was on the kind of the COVID table ethicist board thing for the province when they were going through all these vaccine rollout uh, ethics questions. And, and he was saying, you know, this was a predictable trajectory, if not a unfortunate one. Certainly, we don't want to marginalize the vulnerable even more but when diseases become more of a threat to marginalized or vulnerable people but less of a threat to people who are privileged healthy able-bodied um you know interest interest does start to wane and he said he's seen this in other diseases and it's unfortunate it's happening here but 
it's a decision and sort of something we should probably keep in mind is that, you know, while COVID generally is less of a threat to people like you and I who are younger, healthier, vaccinated, you know, all that kind of good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It's still a threat to some people. And that's, that's really kind of the unfortunate bit about it is that deaths are still happening. It's still a threat to, to certain populations, certain people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the buy-in early on a lot of public health measures to protect everyone all the time, you know, and that kind of thing was, was really quite large. But as the pandemic's gone on, public acceptance and sort of interest in those broader mitigation strategies also seems to have waned. So that's sure. kind of where we're at now. More people are immune. We've been vaccinated or we've had COVID and or yeah, both. Interest- <laughs> Or both. Yeah, exactly. Is there something that the experts think we should be doing to protect these vulnerable, the most vulnerable of us still? I know we've a lot of the measures have gone away, but do they think we should be bringing some back? You know, um, Maxwell Smith in the story was saying, you know, we don't necessarily need to lock everything down. That's not that's not what we need. We don't need to go all the way on this. But there there could be things in public discussion about mitigation strategies, such as masking or other things like that, that don't really have a giant cost, but yeah. could help. Um, so there are ways that certainly there's there's room for discussion here about ways we can kind of help protect the vulnerable as much as we can, um, while still kind of carrying on with life as usual, because certainly, you know, um, that's kind of where we're at right now with COVID. It's, you know, kind of around and it's gone to kind of a personal, uh, you know, personal responsibility to protect yourself sure. but you know a lot of vulnerable people could try to do everything right and still get it just you know because they're vulnerable absolutely i i did along with that i found this quote fascinating in your story from from maxwell smith um the move from collective responsibility um for reducing covid spread to a personal responsibility shifts the burden entirely to the most disadvantaged to those people who are most at risk which i find fascinating and so sad at the same time yeah yeah it's but that's the trajectory of other things too right like you know other diseases in the past have gone that way too so it's it's kind of while it's a predictable trajectory for covid to take it's one Mm -hmm. that certainly we we should be aware of definitely about you know what that it is still out there that it is still a risk to people and maybe there's things we can do to help mitigate that risk yeah um talk about covid now are I mean we are all we are hearing about new strains every now and then I believe there was just a new one um that we were that was in the news recently we've been talking about are we um is it is it less severe I mean it's still out there I feel like personally it's going to be around for a while um what what do you think is it less severe for us now well, you know, COVID is with us. It's going to continue to be with us. We're tracking variants very closely. And this one is the Kraken. It's got a very fancy, uh, you know, XBB yeah. kind of title to it. But the Kraken is kind of its little nickname. And, um, you know, it's it's showing up in Ontario. It's very, from what, you know, researchers, people have said, it's very, very virulent. It'll, it'll definitely, or uh, transmissible, it'll definitely spread quite a bit. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, and it may become a dominant strain here. We're in a different position than we were in the early days of the pandemic. There's a lot of vaccination, a lot of booster uptake. We have an Omicron-specific booster now. And again, like you've said, a lot of people have had COVID. A lot of people have been infected in addition to being vaccinated. So there's a bit, we've got a population that's a bit more used to COVID now. Sure. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't know that, I'm, I'm not living in fear of cracking, I guess that would be the way to put it. I think that you know, it, it's, we need to manage it and mitigate it and make sure that it doesn't really exploit our most vulnerable people and lead to a lot of problems. 
and severe outcomes for those people. But, you know, it's one of those things, right? The COVID is going to continue to mutate. There'll be new ones that come along. Um, you know, so far, I'm not seeing experts really going crazy about this one. It's an Omicron strain, like a sub-variant. And Omicron has generally not led to as many severe outcomes as Delta or even Alpha. Sure, generally. sure. Um, let's let's talk about emergency rooms um, because we know and we're shifting a little bit because we know that emergency room wait times in London and everywhere really in Ontario have been extraordinary, extraordinary, right? Um, but now there's a new assessment clinic that they've opened. Um, well, it's been open since December, is that right? But now children are able to go. So just explain what this new clinic is, how this is going to help the ERs. Yeah, so the old assessment center, old assessment center at Carling Heights Community Center moved to Victoria Hospitals Building 24 in like the fall. And they we gave the Carling Heights community the community center back. In December, they switched it to be not just a COVID place, but a place you can go for if the flu or colds, if you have a running nose or a fever, you can go and be assessed there. Um, which is great because it means that people that are feeling unwell that can't get to their family doctor, don't have a family doctor, have a place to go. That's not the ER. Um, And it's been really quite successful with adults. So for that whole month of December, they were doing adult appointments for the cold COVID flu clinic. Um, They can do treatment there with Paxlovid if you have COVID and are eligible for that antiviral drug. Mm -hmm. Um, And now it's open to kids, which is really, really important. So um, it's no surprise children's hospitals this fall have been really pounded by flu and RSV and, and COVID as well. Um, just a lot of respiratory illness going around. It came really fast, really early. Um, and it's not being great for children's hospitals in London and around the province. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, the idea here is that, you know, a kid that might have a fever or any nose can go to this clinic. It'll keep them out of the ER. Um, and, and that's kind of, that's, that's the hope. So they've got Mondays and Wednesday appointments. Now they're willing to and able to expand them if there's a lot of demand, but it's by appointment only. Um, particularly for kids that don't have access to primary care or are at really high risk for severe outcomes. Sure. Is it, so sorry, you said it's appointment only, so you can't just walk in? Not right now. No. And where, where do you make an appointment for that? Well, there's online, I think it's COVID vaccine testing, LM, something like that. It's in the story. Um, But yeah, it's obviously (laughs) we'll check out the story. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, online in advance, you can also call too. And it's Monday evening okay. and Wednesday evening appointments for kids. There's about 25 spots each day, but they're they're looking to expand potentially. Absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We're, we're, we'll check out your story for sure on lfpress.com. So we know uh, how to make appointments at the, the new assessment center, which is now open for children as well as adults. Thank you, Jen, for joining us today. We're going to be following your stories on lfpress.com. Thank you.